Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to the program. With you until 1045 this morning, Illinois baseball, a little bit of a reschedule because of anticipated Sunday weather. So the Illini will take on the Maryland Terrapins today in a doubleheader beginning at 11, 1045 pregame show on that. Mr. Tate, how you doing? Very well. You got to get the baseball going here. Looks like we got some weather coming, huh? 100% tomorrow. That's a pretty good chance that it might, <laughs> uh, might rain on Mother's Day. Speaking of baseball, Illinois baseball, a 2 nothing win last night to even their record at 16-16 and now in yeah, the year. It, Steve, can you explain? We play one game, they give up 20 runs. The next <laughs> thing you know, Hoffman shows a really good shutout yesterday with a little uh, a few in, a few outs of relief help. But uh, I can't – this uh, Big Ten baseball is really strange to me because it goes from one extreme to the other. I think it has a lot to do with the weather, well, the wind. Well, it especially does in – in uh, this part of the country in uh, the month of, uh, well, the early part of the season, in the spring season, and uh, the wind, you're right. Well, you ought to have seen it at tennis yesterday. I was, it raised the question, Steve, where does the wind affect, what sport does wind affect the most? Tennis, golf, baseball, what outdoor sport does it affect the most? Whichever one you're playing. I guess. <laughs> That's a really good answer <laughs> because it really does affect everything. Well, I know it affects golf. and. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems to me that uh, this spring has been windier than than previous springs, but the experts say, no, it's not any windier. It's just the way it is around here in the yeah. spring. But uh, yeah. I have a hard time remembering that, but I just have that recent memory of how, how it's been. Yesterday, it was, it was a nice day, but the winds got up over 30. And Well, the wind was blowing out of the west pretty much, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, anything hit to right field, I would think, at, at Illinois Field would be have a chance of going out. It'd be very hard to handle for the for the right fielder and the center fielder, maybe. But um, uh, the, evidently, the, the the balls being thrown from home to from pitcher's mound to home, it changes the movement on the ball, and obviously it, it helped Hoffman and, and both pitchers pitched well. I mean, it was uh, it was a really tight game. Illinois got an extra run in the eighth inning to make it two to nothing, and that was it. That was the final. 2 nothing. Illinois baseball over Maryland. Softball playing at home as well. Lost a doubleheader to Ohio State. 12 to nothing and 5-1. to one. Softball team is now 22-16 and 16 on the year. They play Ohio State again today at noon. Yeah, that was crazy. Sickles was pitching through three innings of shutout, and the next inning they got 11 runs. <laughs> and the fourth inning, 11. I think that was a five-inning game, Steve. They it shortened it. Yeah. You mentioned tennis. Illinois lost the doubles point to DePaul, but uh, came back to win 4-1 to one to go to 22-2 and two on the season. We'll talk to Brad Dancer here in about five minutes or so and find out uh, why, why we can't get that doubles point. Of course, a lot of the uh, focus of Illinois sports fans is on the basketball assistant coaching situation. Chester Frazier hired uh, this week. Your thoughts on that hire? Well, I, I think Chester's a, a, a good hire, uh, he's a hard worker, and, and he's also got some experience. Now he's 35 years old. He's not a kid anymore. But um, I don't think that anybody can replace exactly what Antigua gives you in the international business, of you know, in the international market. 
And I think that's uh, that's unfortunate. All the work he's done and the groundwork he's laid over years to to do things into the future. That's a good point. You don't think that there's anyone that can replace him in that regard, but we don't know who else is out there doing that because oh. we're so focused w- with yeah. tunnel vision on what he's done. Yeah. And he's regarded as certainly at the top or in well, the top three or the four. The thing that, that affects it is you look up on look on the team and you got a you got a center from uh, Jamaica. You got four guys from Puerto Rico, right. and then I find out Fraser's mother's from Puerto Rico. So actually, you got five guys with Puerto Rican background, and on this team, and I mean key players in some cases, Cabello certainly, and and Fraser, and uh, I, and of course you just lost uh, Georgie to from he he's an over, European from overseas, and and. We've got Verdunk from Belgium, and, and there's just players all over. You know, they're coming from all over, and they're not coming from just Illinois right. like, we, uh, like we are accustomed to. So one hire has been made in Chester Frazier, and uh, there is another opening, maybe two. It sounds yeah. like Stephen Gentry may be getting closer to going back to Gonzaga. Yeah. Paul Clee will join us a little bit later. Maybe he knows a little more about I that. he does. We've got the phone lines open, 217-356-9397. Let's go to Bob in Urbana. Good morning, Bob. What do you say? Thanks for taking my call. I want to be uh, the first one this morning uh, and uh, to say that I think Lauren's uh, special in the News Gazette was fabulous. Uh, He's a legend. He's done everything uh, in his lifetime to be a great writer, and he exemplifies everything that we love about sports and about writing, about uh, analyzing the, the life condition that we see with Everything in sports, and it's been fabulous. Now, now, Bob, how do you expect me to write another column after you say stuff like that? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's I can't, tough, but I can't live up to anybody's expectations. <laughs> now, Bob, are you a first cousin or a second cousin? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I just, I just want to say I've listened to probably 95% of the sports lines for the last 45 years, Ooh. and I've enjoyed your show, and, and everything that was in this the, the special this week was just just the best, and I think it's historic uh, for Champaign-Urbana to have a person of this stature that was able to stay here and do his job to the best of his ability for those for that a length of time. And uh, I grew up in Atwood in the in the fifties uh, uh, and sixties, and so I've watched the same history that Lauren has watched, and to be a, watch him be a part of it and be right at the at the center of analyzing what was going on, and, and I just enjoyed watching and, and being a part of it. So my, my best to Lauren and to both of you for a great job, and keep up the good work, and that's all for this morning. Thank you. Okay, Bye-bye. Bob. Thanks. We appreciate uh, you taking the time, and that was an outstanding section. Matt Daniels and Jim Rosso and Bob Osmussen and, yeah. and Richie and everybody that worked on that, uh, an outstanding uh, job. They really did. They, they uh but they work hard all the time. They turn out good stuff. And uh, Steve, we're right in the middle of uh, some uh, press association awards, and the News Gazette's getting a ton of them. Number one paper around. I mean, there's nobody like you know. I'm talking about our our class. I mean, I'm not trying to go into against the New York Times or anything like that. But you know, uh, for the people we have, we do a terrific job. And I keep saying that because I I really believe it, and I think it's I think it's true. Let's go back to the phones. Alan is with us. Good morning, Alan. Morning, guys. Uh, I did all the uh, previous callers on all that. Uh, my question or comment is actually: 
what in the world were we doing moving Williams to wide receiver? To me, he's the type of player that needs the ball in his hands a lot. I think he might be our best quarterback. I've seen Sikowski play with Rutgers last year. I was not impressed with him at all. I don't see how he's going to be much of an improvement. I just think Williams might be our best quarterback if we're moving him to receiver. I don't get that. Well, I, I I get it. I mean, that's where everybody wanted him in the first place. Illinois was supposedly just about the only school that offered him to play quarterback, and and uh, I think that they determined based on their fifteen practices. Well, actually, about thirteen practices because the last couple of practices he was at wide receiver. But uh, they determined that his passing wasn't up to what they need, for, and so that's the answer is that uh, they they judge it just based on his passing or lack of ability to throw the ball accurately. Well, that might be true, but that's one area you can improve on. I mean, as a quarterback, in my opinion. Yeah, but he uh, hasn't uh, apparently hasn't shown that this improvement. This is third year. Yeah, coming up. Well, that's true, but he's good with his legs, and wide receiver is not going to be enough. If they they can make a kind of a combo running back wide receiver out of it, maybe they will. I don't know. I bet they run him on reverses and that sort of thing. Sure. And, and uh, but the question is, how well does he catch the ball, and can he get open? I mean, just pure speed doesn't do it. I mean, we all know the story of uh, Hester with the Bears, who could return kicks and punts, and was just fabulous at it. And they tried to move, make a quarterback, uh, make a receiver out of him, and, and uh, he just uh, didn't catch the ball or didn't get open well enough. I mean, Dudek was a, was a guy that. Just always got open. Like, can you explain that to me, Steve? I could never under. I mean, he wasn't anything. I mean, he was fast, but still, he had that unique quality to get open. And I don't know if uh, Beeson or Williams, either one, both of whom been switched over there, and both of whom were were our best athletes recruited in here in, in 2019. Anything else, Alan? No, that's it, guys. Okay. You. Yep. Appreciate the call. Dudek also had a knack for catching the ball in traffic. Oh boy. And, uh, Oh, he could catch it. Uh, he didn't have to be wide he, open. He could catch it standing on his head. <laughs> yeah, he was a he was a good receiver. I, I I won't forget, and this has happened several times in spring ball. But back when they were at Camp Rantoul, they were still up there, and we were going, "Well, who's that? Who's that number 19? Yeah, yeah. Because we didn't know anything about him. We we knew he was a little guy from yeah. from the state of Illinois, and yet he he showed up in the in the practices up there and played very well, and then. Turned out to be a pretty good receiver. Yeah, freshman oh, yeah. All-American. Well, if he hadn't hurt his knee, yeah. he was he was he would have been exceptional. He would have been one of the top five receivers in Illinois history if if he hadn't hurt his knee. Right. Major League Baseball yesterday and last night, uh, the Cubs beat Pittsburgh three to two. The Cubs won four straight and they're yeah. back to five hundred. Got a good game out of Davies. Yep, they're sixteen and sixteen. Cardinals over the uh, Rockies last night night uh, by a score of five to nothing. Cardinals are 19 and four, and they share the most wins in the National League at 19 with the also surprising San Francisco Giants. You know what's really interesting is how many teams are just all across baseball are just kind of average. Yep. Nobody's playing great. I mean, the Dodgers are having trouble. The Yankees are having trouble. Now Detroit's way behind, but everybody else is kind of in a bunch. Jack Flaherty, first pitcher in Major League Baseball to go to six and zero this season. Also had a home run. Sure did. He had a, he had a good home run. Cardinals win at 5 nothing. They have a two-game lead over Milwaukee, who has lost six in a row now. The Brewers. 
Talk about ups and downs in the it really is. early part of the season. The White Sox are 17 and 13. They beat Kansas City 3 to nothing. Another no hitter last night. I, I Wade Miley from the Cincinnati Reds. What's that, four already? Four and two this week. <laughs> four no hitters already in uh, Major League Baseball. They're becoming routine. They are. Those are some of the uh, headlines of the day. We've got plenty to talk about. Our guest lineup, Brad Dancer, will join us in just a couple of minutes. At 9.30, Dave Kaplan from NBC Sports in Chicago will talk about the Bears' draft situation in the National Football League. Tim O'Halloran at 10 o'clock, Edgy Tim, will talk about Illinois football's recruiting of the uh, state of Illinois, get more on his thoughts on that. And then coming up uh, about 10.30-ish, Paul Klee from out in uh, Colorado, talking about the hiring of Chester Frazier and other basketball notes as well. In the meantime... You're always welcome to join us, 217-356-9397. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, and we're back after this. Welcome back to the show, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It is 9.15. We're headed to 10.45 today instead of 11. A little bit of an early start for Illinois baseball. Illinois tennis in action this afternoon at 1 o'clock. NCAA tournament play. Brad Dancer joins us, the Illini tennis coach, after a 4-1 win over DePaul yesterday in a regional play in Champaign. How you doing, Brad? Good morning. I'm doing. I'm doing great. Good morning, guys. Four to one win over DePaul, and Lauren wants to know why you why you have trouble <laughs> with that doubles point. <laughs> We've actually had a, had a really good year with with the doubles point for the most part, and uh, you know it's funny. I, Looking at, I was on number one yesterday, and I thought our guys did a pretty good job. I was really impressed with DePaul, and you know, one of the, one of the guys that plays for DePaul, the Casati, you know, both my sisters have played here, so we a big tennis family, and we know them really well. So you know, I, I thought to be honest, DePaul played really well in doubles, and and uh, you know, they they certainly woke us up. I'll tell you that, but it was it was I give a lot of credit to DePaul in that. Do you have stats on on the doubles point uh, on the year at the top of your head? How how's go, how that has gone for you? I have no idea off the top of my head. <laughs> I, like that, just, it seems like we won more more than we have in the past, but but I don't even know to be honest. But yep. Well, I, you know, I I was really worried after I thought DePaul played really well in the, in that first uh, in the doubles, but. My goodness! When you went to singles, you just swamped them. It was amazing. I mean, it was like two different two different Illinois teams out there. Yeah, and and, and doubles and singles is is a different game. You know, we talk about that all the time, and and so it's really hard for guys from mentality standpoint to be in a doubles mindset, and then a couple minutes later switch to singles. You know, mindset. And I think you know we've got you know I've, our guys have a lot of experience. We played a lot of matches, and so I, I don't think at any point. Um, you know, there's a panic for us in the Devils. We just recognize, hey, DePaul took it to us, and, you know, it's one point, and they got to get to four, and, and, you know, we'll just kind of start over there. So not, nothing crazy. I think, you know, we've won a lot of doubles points. we lost a lot of doubles points and, and won and lost both of those types of matches. So, um, yeah, really, I, 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 was, I was pleased with the guy in singles yesterday. I thought they did a great job responding, and, and obviously today the, the challenges get, uh, get even tougher. How how do you go about dealing with a wind like that? What do, what do you say to the players? How do how do they adjust when you have a situation so severe as as that wind was? Yeah, and it was severe. Uh, you know, and and what we were talking about is you know you want guys to oh you you're not running this pattern or you're not running that pattern, and half the time it's just the ball's moving around so much you can't do anything you want to do out there, and so it's really frustrating for the players. So a lot of it is just 
managing frustrations and expectations about, you know, the levels they can perform at. And so, um, you know, that match in a, nor- in a regular season would have been an indoor match because of the wind. The wind would have pushed inside. The NCAA has different uh, uh, criteria for, for what uh, moves a match in or out. But yesterday's match in a, in a regular season would have been an inside match. So our guys aren't typically used to playing in, in gusts that, that, that strong. What is the uh, criteria once you get into tournament play? Yeah, they don't. Uh, so the, the the regular season is 20 mile per hour. If it's, if it's 20 mile an hour or over, then you go indoors. And the NCAA doesn't have a criteria. It's more they just talk about like health and safety of the players and so forth. And so I think they deemed it that it was a, a safe environment to play in. And and so play on with with how they looked at it. What do you know about Notre Dame? We know everything about Notre Dame. <laughs> so we, we play Notre Dame every year. You know, we recruit half their team is uh, you know guys we recruited. So we're really familiar with their team. Uh, we know how stacked they are. They've got great players, great coaches, and uh, it's going to be a big challenge for us today. No question. Big, big challenge. So what's on the line? You, you, get, uh, you get the win today. What's next then? Yeah, I mean, for, for us, if we win today, then we advance to the Final 16 site, uh, which, is, which is down in Orlando, Florida. And so, you know, that's, uh, you know, usually it's uh, January and February when you think about wanting to go to Florida. But right now we, we want to get to Florida. <laughs> That'll be on our mind today it's, is how do we muster up enough uh, toughness and stamina. And, and, and really, I talk to our guys, is about keeping the focus. And, and we talked about that a lot last weekend at the Big Ten. And I thought after we lost the double points to Michigan, our guys were just impeccable in terms of their focus. They brought the singles. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to come out and, and uh, give them everything we got in doubles. It's a different energy in doubles. It's, it's more lively and robust. The singles gets more methodical and meticulous in terms of you're, you're more trying to break the other guy down a little bit more. So being able to change that mentality and stay in the focus and purpose uh, for each match at hand. Well, uh, uh, straighten me out on this. Now you play at the University of Florida. Is that correct? If well, you win, first off, we got to get through. I understand. Through today. And if but we I'm, win, you know where you know where I'm going. If you are you playing, is there a chance you would play Florida at Florida? No. Okay. So if if we advance, if we yeah. advance, then uh, we would play at the USDA National Campus in Orlando. Okay. So that that's that's the final site. Yep. Well, uh, okay. Any any ch- can you change uh, any of your alignment today, or do you want to, or is it legal to do that? Yeah. You once you submit a lineup for a tournament, you uh, you can only remove people. You cannot change the order at all. So our order stays the same throughout, and um, and so you know our our anticipation this morning for us is that. Uh, yeah, we have to go test this morning, so you know, as everybody, if everybody makes it clean through testing, then then we'll put the same guys out there today that we put out there yesterday. That's the that's the lineup that won us the Big Ten, and and obviously they did a great job yesterday. So we, we have a lot of confidence in these guys. Another minute or two with Brad Dancer ahead of uh, today's tennis match against Notre Dame. Has there been anything about this year's team, Brad, that has surprised you about the team? Maybe something you didn't anticipate. Uh, to be honest, not really. I, you know, this is a group that, that uh, I felt really strongly about last year. We had sort of a, a rocky, shaky start. And, and ironically, we had three matches last year where we had team match points. And so we're one point away from, from having a season that looks pretty good, uh, you know, to one that didn't look very good. And I thought down the stretch last year, we were really pulling things together. We were, we were clicking, and, and I thought things were heading in the right direction. And I thought we had a great finish last year with the same group. And so – now this year, you know, the, the big additions for us have been Hunter Heck in terms of consistency in the lineup, and, and Hunter and Quaeze have, have played a huge role for us this year. And so th- those guys have, have made an impact, and, and I think that's, that's, that's the, the, one, the one or two pieces that have made a difference. But uh, for the most part, so much confidence in our guys uh, in what they were doing last year as well. 
Where will uh, Kovacevic be playing tennis next year? So he'll, he's going to turn pro. He's going to give it a go. And, and, and so will Zeke Clark. He's going to give it a good go as well. So, you know, their base and what they're doing, they're, they're both working on that right now. It's, it's a little tricky because you want to have some familiarity. So they'll continue to use champagne, I'm sure, for some of their tennis. Uh, but they also need to spread their wings a little bit and, uh, and find what's, what's the right place and the right spot for them in terms of training grounds and, and getting in tournaments and so forth. But Kova has a great foundation uh, for, for moving forward. How much has this uh, pandemic set either of them, any of your players back? I mean, is this, how much of a problem has the COVID-19 been for you? Yeah, well, it's, it's, really, it's really difficult for all of the players around the world because there's so few, so few tournaments at the moment. So I think the calendar is about 30% of, of the usual calendar. So there's no opportunities for players. Uh, COVID did an incredible job earlier this year. He went to Cleveland and had his best result ever in a pro tournament. The USDA gave him a wild card. He was able to, to, uh, to advance to the semifinals there. So that one result doesn't sound like much, but it's really going to be something that helps kickstart kick his career. He's up to about 400 in the world right now, which is pretty outstanding for doing that while you're in college. And, you know, it's higher than Kevin Anderson was when he was in college and so forth. So he's got a great start, um, thanks in part to, to kind of that one tournament. And then, uh, you know, he'll be able to start off in some main draws and, and, and see where he can go. How many guys will you have back the, uh, from this team? Yeah, so we'll have, we've got an 11-man roster, and we'll have seven guys back. And uh, we've already signed three guys for next year. So, you know, again, it's, uh, you're, you're never going to replace a, a class like this. But we're also hoping that some of the new pieces, uh, you know, are, are, are going to be ready to come in and, and start contributing right away. Brad, with guys testing on the, the morning of a match, where does that period of time uh, fit on the coach's stress meter <laughs> <laughs> as the day goes on. You, you got to get through that. You feel pretty good. Pretty pretty darn high, to be brutally honest. <laughs> so you know you're, you know every, every time they're testing, you're just kind of just crossing your fingers and and uh, and hoping it goes well. So uh, that's that's where we are this morning. And and then our match time changed. It was supposed to be at three o'clock today, but because of weather, they moved it up to one. So you know every, everything's just a little bit earlier this morning and. Uh, and we're getting we're we're closing in on getting ready to go after it. Well, we appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for visiting with us on the day of a match, and the best of luck today. Right, Brad, and we, we congratulations on winning the Big Ten, also, and and uh, good luck today. Um, I hope the weather lets up a little bit, <laughs> and the wind lets up a little bit. I don't know what is what's the prediction on the wind today. It's supposed to, it's supposed to be about eight or nine, which would be you know much more playable. But now the temperature is lower, so it's going to be a little chillier out there today. But uh, I think it should be in better playing conditions than what we had yesterday. No question. Good luck to you, Brad. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. You bet. Brad Dancer, Illinois men's tennis coach in NCAA tournament play today at 1 o'clock against Notre Dame. NCAA action also underway in days ahead for golf. Women's golf is in the Columbus Regional at the Ohio State Scarlet course Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this coming week. And Mike Small's men's team is the number two seed at the Stillwater, Oklahoma Regional, May 17th, 18th, and 19th. So that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of uh, not this coming week, but next. So a lot of postseason action coming there. It's a shame that uh, it was good that uh, the women's team got in the Columbus Regional, but kind of a shame that uh, Illinois didn't get uh, on the men's side in that Indiana Regional. But yeah, they've been a lot closer. <laughs> you- You'd think they'd want to keep uh, teams as close as possible, but that. Well, Mike Small explained it to to me one day that they kind of do that with the first 
six ranked teams in, in their six regionals. Illinois was ranked ninth. Mm-hmm. So they've they probably got a favorite. I mean, they got a number two seed. You can't argue much about that. Of course, Oklahoma State is the number one seed out there, and and likely the favorite to win it all. But you don't have to win the regional. You just got to be in the top five to uh, move into uh, the NCAA tournament, and then into uh, to the match play competition that comes after that. So, a lot going on. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. We'll take our first or our second break actually here on the show and be back with more on DWS. Stay with us. It is 9:30 WDWS Champaign Urbana. This is Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're here until Illinois baseball today, early start because of uh, some uh, foul weather moving in on Sunday, Mother's Day. So the Illini and Maryland will play a doubleheader today beginning at 11. Pre-game coverage begins at 1045. Happy to welcome back to the program David Kaplan. We want to talk about the uh, the Bears draft. But uh, first of all, Cap, do we need to break up the Cubs? They've won uh, four straight now and uh, back to 500 on the season. Yeah, I don't know about break them up. The Pirates are not a very good team, and Cubs almost gave that thing away yesterday. But they are playing better baseball. The offense, if you go back the last, you know, 15 games, the offense has had a lot of high-water marks, 16 runs here and 13 runs there. And yesterday they got probably the best part of the whole game is Zach Davies took a shutout into the seventh inning and you didn't have Kimbrell available yesterday. He was down for the day. So, you know, Ryan Tapera and Rex Brothers made it interesting. But, yeah, they look better. So let's just keep it rolling. A lot of swings, not only in games with 15 runs one night and none the next, but in, in streaks, too. The Cubs have won four straight, and the, the Brewers have lost six straight. It's just kind of a, a strange start, I guess. Maybe it's that way every year. I don't know. But there's a lot of streaks, a lot of ups and downs. There are a lot of ups and downs. And I, I was having this debate with Joe Girardi one day when he was playing for the Cubs. And I had the same exact debate two weeks ago with Anthony Rizzo where I said something to the effect of, boy, I can't wait to play the White Sox or can't wait to play the Cardinals. And both guys said, dude, it is. One of 162 each day we play. What do you mean? It's the Cardinals. It's the White Sox. You don't feel a little extra juice? Yeah, we feed off the crowd, but we haven't had any crowds. That's what makes it extra cool. But like Rizzo said to me, dude, I show up every day. I have the exact same routine every day. I lift some weights. I go through stretching. I get my massage. I get in the cage. I take ground balls. I loosen up. And then we go play. And if we win, we win. If we lose, I'm disappointed. I get up and do the same thing again the next day. So, you know, us fans, we get all fired up over certain things. Once the game's over, unless it's some bizarre set of circumstances, I found every Major League Baseball player goes, kid, it's 162. It is a marathon, not a sprint. Just grind every day and see where you go. Hey, Cap, I got to ask you about the Bear quarterback situation. Uh, did They gave up an awful lot. Did they give up too much or just the right amount? No, no Lauren, they didn't even give up that much. Now, okay. I understand they gave up next year's number one pick, but 
let me just lay this out to you. And I said this the other day, and I had Dan Weeder of the Tribune completely disagree with me, so I did a poll question. Is this the most exciting thing in Chicago sports since the night the Cubs won the World Series November 2nd, 2016 in Cleveland? And Dan's like, that's ludicrous. That's stupid. He hasn't thrown a pass. So I put it out to the fan base that we've had between two different poll questions I did, over 12,000 votes, 64 5%. Yes, because go back to that night. From that point forward, the Blackhawks have not made the playoffs one time. The Bulls made it one time, had a 2 nothing series lead in the first round, and lost the next four when Rondo broke his finger. So neither of them count. The most exciting thing the Bulls did was fire their front office. Well, that mm-hmm. can't qualify. Yeah. The Cubs, 17, they were under 500 at the All-Star break. Yes, they got to the playoffs and they beat Dusty in the first round, but you never looked at that team like you did in 16 and went, they're going to win the World Series. Like When they got to the Dodgers series, they were out of gas. You knew they were done. So it was cool, but no, that doesn't rank. The White Sox, they've been awful in a rebuild and finally made the playoffs in a pandemic short season or out in round one. No, they don't qualify. Loyola Final Four, very cool. But, again, no one looked at them and went, they're going to win the national title. Very good program. You guys know as well as anybody. No, that didn't captivate the city like this for multiple reasons. A, there has been a perception out there that the Bears can't develop a quarterback since Sid Luckman. And they're correct. Name me one great quarterback. There hasn't been one. There's also been a perception, fair or unfair, that the Bears will not draft a high-level black quarterback. Well, they just did. And they also got a guy who the NFL Network reported. They reached 16 teams and asked them, who did you rank anonymously? Who did you rank number one at quarterback? Eight of those 16 had Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence. Is that so, right? Yes. So people are excited, and this is a good kid. And I found out, I didn't even know this till two days ago, Matt Nagy played against Ryan Day, and he called him during the pandemic to go over Jeff Okuda and Chase Young. And, you know, they do reports on guys, even though they may not be on the board when they're picking, because maybe eight years from now they want to sign them or trade for them. And Ryan said, hey, Matt, I know you're having your issues with Trubisky. If that doesn't work out, keep your eye on Justin Fields. He's legit. I'm telling you, he's a generational talent. And so Matt has been lusting after this kid for a year. Well, I, I think if uh, if the fans are feel that way, it's a part of it's because you and others in, in the Chicago media feel that way and you've got them fired up. I mean, that's got to be part of it, don't you think? Uh, probably, but I th- we got a smart fan base here. I mean, a really smart fan base. And if you're a Cubs fan, some of them don't root for the White Sox. If you're a White Sox fan, some of them don't root for the Cubs. Maybe you're not a hockey fan. The Bulls galvanized us when they were good, but when they were bad, it was, the ratings were done. Everybody's a Bear fan. Right. And when we win and it's Victory Monday, everybody is excited. So I'm Really tired yeah, of, of Green Bay having two quarterbacks out there that have ruined, your, ruined our life for the last 20 years. <laughs> and, and you make a great point there, Lauren, by bringing up the Packers, because let me just tell you that on the same exact day that the Bears got Justin Fields, Mm-hmm and answered all those questions the same day Adam Schefter reported that Aaron Rodgers probably will never play for them again. Yeah. Well, listen, we, we know you got to get off. you got an interview with, with the Cubs here in the next four minutes. Would you, anything else you want to throw at us real quick? 
Um, I, I mean, I'm really, really excited of where this baseball season could head for both our teams because neither one is in a division that you go, oh, that's unwinnable. They don't have, you know, one of the great teams in their division. The Cubs can certainly win their division. Will they? I don't know. And I know the White Sox are not healthy right now, but the White Sox absolutely have salary room. I think they have prospect capital to trade, and if they can just keep this thing going and stop all the nonsense controversy with Tony La Russa, this could be a fun summer. Dave Kaplan from Chicago, we appreciate your time. Now get back to work. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to interview Andrew Chafin, who's a really cool dude, so well, I'm excited. Well, we'll be after you again. Thanks, Cap. You got it. Bye. David Kaplan from NBC Sports in Chicago, 937. We've got an open line now until 10 if you'd like to join us, 217-356-9397. Any thoughts on the assistant coaching search that's going on? We can uh, listen to you, what you have to say there. Maybe throw some conversation your way on that. Whatever else might be on your mind on this Saturday morning, the, what is today, May the 8th, and Mother's Day is tomorrow. That's exactly right. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers That's out right. there. We'll take a break at 9.38 and back with more after this. Welcome back to the show at 9.40. The Nine Pellow Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, and we're with you until 10.45 this morning. Illinois baseball at that time. A doubleheader today against Maryland starting at 11. Scott Beatty with the pregame show at 1045. Our phone line is open, 217-356-9397. If you'd like to join us, let's go to the phones now and say good morning to Howard. Hey, Howard, what's up and what's on your mind? Well, uh, Lauren, for the life of me, I can't figure out um, Adam Miller's transfer. Well, you know, LSU is the last place I'd want to be right now. With uh, Will Wade is still in trouble. He's accused of 11 uh improper contacts and the, the the delay has been remarkable the football team just pulled out of the uh out of the playoffs you know out of the postseason not the playoffs out of they didn't play in a bowl game and uh, volunteer uh, voluntarily uh, got out of it and and then you got all kinds of trouble at the at the higher levels there i mean it's the last place i'd want to go and yet if i'm adam it would i'd want to get maybe a further away from here and not be maybe he didn't want to play against the uh, Illinois in, in, in the Big Ten or something. So I, I don't get it. But uh, what, what are your th- why did you th- what, what are your thoughts about it? Well, you uh, and I know a lot of this is private. Do you think there was any uh, hint in the locker room this past year that Iowa was getting special treatment? What what kind of special treatment? Oh, I mean, uh, one of them was yakking about tickets. Well, that was yeah at, at tournament time. There was some talk of that, but. I, I, if Iowa was receiving anything special, it's probably because he was a very special player. Well, it was also because he was an upperclassman. Yeah. And those guys get. Yeah, to, and, and, you know, these superstar guys, their egos are so fragile. Oh, boy. And that's the truth. Uh, I mean, he mentioned in that article that when he announced he was going to LSU, that he wanted to handle the ball more. Well,. That's that's going to be a problem for him because he's not going to be a point guard. Yeah, and I want to be a country singer. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, you can want to do something, but if you're not, you, you got a better chance of being a country <laughs> singer than, than he does of being a point guard. I'm afraid. Yeah, and I'd like to be Bill Gates too. That's right. <laughs> but 
I, I don't know, unless his family has a Learjet, I don't, I don't anticipate seeing them watching him play very much. Well, sometimes when guys leave, they want to start over in another area of the country. I mean, I can understand that part of it. But what I don't know what he's been offered at LSU, but I do know that previous players down there have received offers. I mean, they've got they've got tape of it. They've they Will Wade is is you know he was actually uh, the school banned him for a few games, and then they they allowed him to come back. I mean, he just basically spit in their face. He said, I'm not going to tell you. They, they wanted to interview him. He said, I don't want to be interviewed. And so he yeah, wasn't. I can't, I can't for the life of me figure out what the, how the NCAA took so long on dropping the hammer on Sean Miller. I mean, they had him on the phone on a wiretap. Well, they had Self, too, and they had Will Wade, too. And Self and Wade haven't been, uh, nothing's happened with them. It's a double standard, I guess. Well, they're just slow. I mean, they, 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 that's what we, we learn. They, they, they move one at a time. Unless it was us, they'd go they'd go berserk over buying a pizza or something like that. <laughs> well, I don't know. All right, Howard, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. That's it. Thank you. Yep, 217-356-9397 is the number. When I said I wanted to be a country singer, I'm talking about classic country. I don't want the, I don't want to sing any of this stuff that's out there today. You and me both. Trade Merle Haggard and <laughs> some of those guys. You bet. Wouldn't you love to be able to do that? Oh, man. Merle Haggard, I, the best show I ever, the best uh, country show I ever saw was him. What? Yeah, yeah. I think so. And I'm I'm treading on dangerous ground here because I was with you. For you were with me a couple times, <laughs> George Strait, and, but you got the, a little more excited about Reba McIntyre that night. <laughs> Remember that she opened for him uh-huh. in yeah. Indianapolis. Yeah. Okay, enough of that. Let's go back to the phones and Eric in Champaign. Hey, Eric. Hey, morning, guys. Uh, two things I wanted to talk about. One was the Albert Pujols release. You know, I was looking um, on Fangraphs. The last five years, he's basically been the least valuable player in the entire base, entire baseball, as uh-huh. far as the, what he's producing and everything. Yeah, he it's been he's been steadily. That's the problem with those long term contracts. First of all, we don't really. I, does anybody really know how old he is? Wasn't I mean, well, no. there, was, there were questions <laughs> about that when he was with the Cardinals. Then he signs a ten year contract. Here's my question for you: He signed a ten year contract. For hundred for roughly twenty five million dollars a year, it averages out. Now he's got a ten year more contract for personal services with the Angels for a million dollars a year. What does he do the rest of this season? Can he go play for somebody else and then come back to the Angels for that for that personal? Uh, I wonder if service? there's if there's an opt out on either end of that contract for either side. I wonder if they can just walk away from that. Well, I, I just hope he, he stays far away from the White Sox. They don't need him clocking up any more positions on that roster. They've got guys in, in the places that he would be playing don't don't need him there. So well, the thing is, he, he says he, he does not want to be a bench player. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, at this point, at 41 or whatever, he's not going yeah. he's not going to have an everyday role anywhere. He's batting 199. I know. He's hit five homers this year. Uh, so he, he still has some pop, but... I saw him actually drop a throw from the pitcher waist high on a pickoff play. I mean, he just missed the ball. I, I, I mean, he's he can't play defense anymore, and he can't run, and he, you know, he's had some foot trouble. But uh, I think probably he could get. He's as good a hitter as some people who are still in the league. There are a lot of one ninety nine hitters. Yeah, and you know he might uh, make sense as a pinch hitter, right handed pinch hitter, but. Mm-hmm. 
question is, does he want to do that? Well, you know, the, the problem is with, with these uh, rosters is that they have to have so many pitchers right. that they don't have as many pinch hitters as they used to have. And if you have a pinch hitter, you want a guy that can, you know, come in and play second base or first base or third base or right field or whatever. You, you want to have the ability to do that. And, uh, you know, he just he's a, he's a non-fit. It must have been a terribly tough decision for the Angels to do this. But, this, but they got to do what's best for their team. And I don't know anybody that will pick him up, but we'll be, I might be surprised. Um, and one other thing I was going to mention was with the um, with the assistant coaches leaving, is that going to probably impact what, what Kofi's going to do? Was he attached to either of those two guys? Yeah, he's definitely attached to Antigua, yes. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, you're asking me what he's going to do, and I don't know. He may come back, but, but uh, it, I, I think it will all be decided not so much with his uh, contact with Antigua, but how he does in the July uh, NBA tryouts. I mean, I, if, he, if he moves up in the draft, then he probably will sign if he moves down, and he'll know. Mm-hmm. You know, guys like that will know by the time that's over where they fit in the draft. And right now, I saw Vecini came out with a new one uh, this in the last day or two, and he's got him. What was it, Steve? Fifty fourth. Fifty fourth. Yeah, I think that's right. That'd be the second round, late in the second round to the Pacers is yeah, what and, he had in that. And the problem with being fifty fourth is you might be 61st right. <laughs> when they do, and then, then you're not drafted. And so there will be, oh, Steve, there will be another 30 or 40 guys that are in the draft that won't be drafted. And that, that same one had Io at 27, 27 yeah. going or, to the Lakers. Yeah, I've seen him both 24 and 27. Yeah. So he's still in the first round, of, generally speaking. Yeah. But that doesn't, you know, these tryouts are going to mean an awful lot. And and player there will be a big shift in the uh, alignment of how players are drafted based on what they see, just as there was a big change uh, in in the NCAA tournament when when Mitchell moved way up for uh, for Baylor. You know mm-hmm. he he was way down. He wasn't in the top thirty. Then all of a sudden he's way up. And Franz Wagner, I still don't get that one. He was he fourteenth, and, and Vicini and my so. goodness, uh, Wagner's he's had some terrible games. Including the t- including the uh, what was the final four right or yeah he, he was one out of game. ten in the final four and, and he was what one out of nine against Illinois right in the in the big game right. you know where Illinois won without Iowa. Gotcha. All right. Well, hey, good stuff, guys. Thanks for the show. Yeah, Eric. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Appreciate you calling. Got a couple other callers on hold. Let's go to Tom in Champaign. Good morning, Tom. Oh, hi, Steve. Hey, I uh, I just wanted to call uh, kind of on behalf of my dad, who has since passed, whatever, but he and Lauren were uh, great friends, Dyke, uh, and, and he were uh, very good friends. And uh, just wanted to say that uh, my dad would certainly have called and uh, congratulated you on your honor. Uh, the Hall of Fame honor, and uh, I just wanted to kind of step up on his, his behalf. Uh, not not that I could ever uh, replace my dad, but uh, uh, I, I think that he would be extremely proud and uh, would certainly uh, step up and congratulate you, Lauren. Yeah, is this Tom Edelman? 
Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know for sure who it was, but I, you you kind of gave it away. <laughs> well, you know, you're speaking about Dyke Edelman. Nobody will ever replace what he did. Nobody will ever play that many sports again and be that efficient and that outstanding. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Dyke and I got along really He was a terrific guy. Oh, I, he was. I'll tell you what. He spoke very, very highly of you uh, all the time. And uh, he uh, – he, he always considered you a, a great buddy. <laughs> well, we were. Very good friends. And, he, of course, he was yeah. friends with everybody. He had a lot of friends. <laughs> a lot of people loved well, Dyke Edelman. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I, I you, you, you know, not the, the feature with the head with it. Okay. Uh, but, uh, anyway. Thanks a lot, the, Todd. Uh, I, I guess I always kind of want to ask you, what's it like being the son of a, of a great player like that? I mean, how do you live up to those standards? You don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's really tough, isn't it? So it's yeah. It's pretty. It, it really is pretty tough. And uh, of course, I was uh, I was back during the Blackman days, uh, uh, and, it, and and uh, yeah, it was tough. Uh, but uh, I, uh, you know, I I I was uh, I was certainly honored to. Uh, be a member of the Fighting Illini, and uh, um, you know we're always very proud of, to be a part of that. And uh, uh, I'm just really so sorry that the chief. Uh, I shouldn't go into that area. Yeah, well, you know the thing I think about Dyke is what a great high jumper he was, what a great basketball player he was. He also has had the two longest punts I think in Illinois history and the longest punt returns. <laughs> He's just amazing what he well, did. Isn't that something? I mean, gosh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I just you know I look in that record book all the time and and see that and. Uh, well, you know what? You know why I, I, on the punts he was. We used to quick. Quick kick a lot. We don't do that's not done in football anymore. But if Dyke could get that ball over the safety's head, if they weren't expecting it, and it bounced, you know, I, how many yards? Over eighty yards, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. Well, it was. Uh, I think it was eighty nine yards. <laughs> and how much of that was rolled? <laughs> well, that was sure. Yeah. But but yeah. He, he and they didn't and they didn't have it uh, have the uh, after turf. No, I mean, it, it was, was on grass. Yeah. yeah, it was dirt. <laughs> In some places you know, it was. So, uh, I, and I don't know uh, if the uh, you know if the wind was behind them or what, but whatever. I remember yeah, it going I remember from I remember from school. going south to north. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's well, okay. Remember, you got to have a little wind to, to kick at eighty nine yards. You're not going to kick at eighty nine yards against the wind. I can guarantee you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, thanks for calling, there Tom. I appreciate it. Call again sometime. Okay. You right. bet. All right. Take care. Thanks for the call, Tom. Let's uh, move along on the uh, phone lines to Marty down in Pinehurst. Hey, Marty. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. Morning. Good show as always. A little tongue-in-cheek, but Steve, have you mentioned to Josh Whitman, Kent Brown, Brad Underwood, and Chester Frazier that you don't step on the lead? When it's the great one, Lauren Tate's day, you don't announce assistant oh, coaches. Oh, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, you got to have a little fun, You Lauren. know, we we, we would have had the, Chester on today, by the way, uh, but he's traveling. Well, we're going to have him on maybe, yeah. maybe maybe next week or the year, week after. 
good choice. Yeah. Good. Just. I think it's a good choice uh, for for assistant coach. But I again, I mean, we all have they all have different strengths and and different weaknesses. And and uh, what we're going to see here in well, the next coming days is whether all three assistants are actually going to be gone because, you know, it's possible that. Uh, Gentry may be also leaving. We don't know that. In response to your comment, Marty, Lauren had his day on Thursday with a 32-page spread. So he doesn't uh, he doesn't get lead story status every week. Okay. No, I I meant Thursday because they announced Chester on Thursday. Oh, I I got you. Yeah. Anyway, those are um, co-lead stories. Yeah. There you go, Um, Lauren. Uh, did just based on the game I watched Thursday, did you ever walk eleven people when you were pitching? <laughs> no, I, I, that's really bothersome uh, to see all that wildness. Uh, that was really disappointing yeah. to me. I mean, well, I, I coached little league, I coached high school, I coached girls softball. I don't ever remember a game with eleven walks. Well, I don't either. But uh, but we're seeing an awful uh, awful lot of nibbling these days by. Uh, pitchers who are afraid to throw the ball over because the ball jumps out of the park so fast. The guys are so strong now. The, the hitters are so – the, the speed of their bat swing is so outstanding and so many players up and yeah, down the lineup that they're afraid to throw strikes. But these guys are afraid to throw strikes when they're throwing at 95 mile an hour. Well, I know. And I understand. But you, you got to have a little faith in your ability. If you or throw a if you throw a fastball down the middle of ninety five, it doesn't make any difference. If it's no. ninety five, they'll hit yeah, it hard. If you throw anything down the middle, and you know that the, the, not where you want to be. The big change in, in baseball for me, one of the great changes in baseball over time, and I'm going back a lot of years, is they didn't yeah. used to hit home runs to the opposite field hardly at all. You'd see Mickey True. Mantle do it. You'd see uh, Snyder do it. Maybe he'd hit one to left field once in a while. Most of their home runs were pulled. Now yep. you see balls to center and right center and right and and, and they're going out, and that's yeah. <laughs> there's no safe place to throw the ball. You used to could throw the ball on the outside part of the plate, and the guy would hit it to the right field, and you'd catch it. But you can't catch well, it when they land in the stands. Want to throw the ball to the outside part of the plate, Lauren? At some point, you have to throw hard in. Yeah. To get that outside corner. That's right. And some guys aren't very good at doing that. That's why you're seeing a lot of people getting hit these days. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I know you have other people going on. I, I congratulations on the the section. It it's probably the best one the News Gazette's ever done, and the information's amazing. And uh, well, give them credit because boy, there was a lot of work done now. on that for by a lot of people. They, oh. I didn't have any idea it was going to be anything, anything like that. No idea. Well, you, when you when you're around as long as you have, you leave a trail, John. You know, <laughs> Left a trail. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thank you. All right, they'll get a, they'll get good assistance no matter who. You know, there were he didn't have any assistance when he came in here. That's right. And he ended up with some good ones, so he'll he'll get them. And I think Chester will be he'll be really good. I loved him as a player because even though he didn't shoot it consistently very well, he was the glue of a team and as hard nosed a defensive player as Illinois ever had. Yeah. So he'll, he'll be a hard nosed recruiter too. Thank you. Thanks, Marty. Appreciate the call. A couple of minutes before ten o'clock. A couple of texts. Questions we'll address here uh, regarding Illinois football. The quarterback uh, from uh, Rutgers, Stickowski, who is transferring to Illinois. Uh, he is. He he's in the process. He's he's already signed the legal mm-hmm. process. The question yeah. was, is yeah. he doing so? Yes, uh, he it's is. Completed. And so he'll be 
uh, certainly in the running. If if not uh, uh, the number two guy, he'll be in that it uh, sure category. Looks like it, it does, it? and he reminds me a lot of, of Brandon Peters size wise. And, and he's got three years, which is amazing. And he's been there three years and got three more years. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, the texter said, could uh, Isaiah Williams and Beeson be playmakers like Rondale Moore? Well, I don't know about that, but uh, I doubt that. But who knows? You get the ball in their hands. and uh, Moore has that special knack. I mean, yeah. these, there's, there are lots of guys that can run as fast. Maybe I should say lot. There are people that can, that can run as fast as Moore, but he could get open. I mean, there's a knack to it, I, and I don't know how long it takes to learn that. I just just the fact that you know you can't take a hundred yard dash guy and put him out on the football field and have him turn out to be a really good receiver overnight. It doesn't right. happen. Uh, I just think that uh, they got to work at it. And and uh, Beeson didn't move up very fast after moving over. He he's still got a lot to learn at the position, and I'm I'm sure that Williams will too. Another question regarding basketball recruiting uh, that came in uh, off the air is Illinois. Uh, recruiting Trey Mitchell, yes, very actively, yes, and it, it's sounding good. He's a transfer. He's in the transfer portal from UMass. Yeah, he he averaged eighteen eight points and about seven rebounds, and he's he is definitely on their tar. You know, he's on their target list. He's the number one person on their list. That doesn't mean they're going to get him. There are other schools involved, and he's taken an awful lot of time. He was on this. He was in the portal way back. So mm-hmm. And uh, he's still in the portal, and who knows what he's thinking. I he's don't. interested in uh, the business school at the University of Illinois, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, that will affect his decision-making process as well. But from what the people we talk to, Illinois is in good shape with him. Yeah, I think that's right. The thing that we don't know is that the reason guys like him wait is because they know they can go anywhere they want because he's he's maybe the top guy out there right now in the portal. But um, – you know, you, you, he's probably watching to see what Illinois is doing too. And sure. the other school, he he wants to know who he's going to come in. I, and I know a lot of the guys want to know if if Kofi's coming back. That's a big that's a big part of this story, and we don't know that. And I don't know that Kofi's telling anybody. If Kofi comes back, Brad Underwood will have to turn down people that want to come and play here. <laughs> a lot of folks would like to line up next to Kofi Coburn. Certainly, yep. ten o'clock, WDWS, Champaign Urbana. We've got the first hour in the books of the program, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Hour number two is coming up next. Stay with us. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. And we're with you until 1045 this morning instead of our usual 11 o'clock time because of a change in the Illinois baseball schedule. The Illini and Maryland will play a doubleheader today instead of a game today and a game tomorrow because of the weather forecast for Sunday. So the pregame show begins at 1045. First game of the doubleheader here on DWS at 11 o'clock. Hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you, and we welcome uh, to the program Edgy Tim O'Halloran from the uh, Chicago area and high school football expert with us. Good morning, uh, Tim. How are you? Fine, sir. How are you? Good. Did you uh, make it through the high school spring football season okay? Did that uh, 
Did it feel weird all the way through like it kind of did to us down here? Why, like like it wasn't the strangest, most bizarre six weeks ever of high school football? Yeah, survived <laughs> and survived. And, you know, I only I only changed my schedule, I think, 27 times in six weeks. So, yeah, it was a... It was a strange, and people kind of thought playing football in the spring would be. And I think what caught some people by surprise was the the multiple COVID pauses. That became a new phrase, the pause, um, which, as I mentioned, really played more chaos up here, certainly I think more than central and southern Illinois with scheduling. But I, I don't think anyone was really safe. I think it had an impact across the state. But, you know, again, I we said very early in all of that, if you could get five or six games in, you were you had a successful spring. And just the fact that those kids got to get back out there, got to get some work in, those seniors that are actually able to finish their high school careers on a field and not sitting, you know, on a Zoom meeting, it, it was a positive. Well, that was the big thing, getting the kids back out there. And uh, for the, the kids that return in the fall, do you see any downside to have, having played a limited spring season, you know, before the upcoming fall season? Well, I think I think what was discovered right away is unfortunately kids that had somewhat serious injuries in the spring uh, can have a really big impact on the fall. There's a lot of kids that had knee issues and, and other issues that uh, you know under a normal calendar would have time to you know have surgery and recover and, and rehab and be ready to go. A lot of cases that's not going to happen because of the spring, and then I think you wonder about wear and tear an athlete as well. Um, you guys, I'm sure, are aware. We've gone basketball, football, track, wrestling, back to back to back to back, and with no break whatsoever. And then we're going to go right into the summer camps for football. Not a lot of downtime. So I've got to imagine there's got to be concern. I know coaches I talk to, just from the, you know, just, just from the whole injury standpoint and overuse and, and you know, kids just going, trying to fit too much in uh, a really short time period, and uh, it could be an issue. Tim, this is Lauren. How do you feel about your own ability to evaluate and judge athletes based on this spring? Uh, well, it really hasn't changed. I mean, I can tell you, Lauren, that the level of football was nowhere near what it's been. It wasn't great. In a lot of cases, it wasn't even very good. But, you know, it still is the season we're on. Things got better. Games got better. Teams got better. So as far as, you know, being able to evaluate if there's, you know, where they match up compared to maybe kids in other states, I I, I kind of go by my same evaluation rules and things that I go by. And, and the main thing for me are my eyes. Um, you know, um, I, I felt pretty comfortable being able to evaluate, despite it being, as I said, the weirdest season ever. Okay, you know I'm going to get into Illinois recruiting, and yep. uh, and recruiting. And by the way, I I, I think you you can uh, correct me on this, but I think uh, Beelman and his staff have done a terrific job in in trying and in, in, in winning back the state's coaches by contacting them and and keeping in contact and and seemingly. Uh, emphasizing Illinois recruiting. What's your take on what on that approach that Bielema is taking? I agree. Um, they've got gotten out of the gates really well, made a good early impression, been able to maintain that impression. Um, you know, you hire a guy like Pat Ryan uh, for your high school relations person. 
uh, well-respected across the state and in, in all parts of the state as well. Pat's got a lot of friends and, uh, you know, and then you throw in the different assistant coaches on the staff as well, but quite a few of them have uh, connections here and that helps. And, and Lauren, it's, it's work and it's effort. And I think coaches and, and players and parents are seeing the effort. They're seeing the work that's being put in and, Slowly but surely, it seems like they're getting uh, rewarded here a little bit with some early commitments. Why Why would uh, Levy Smith have taken the approach that he obviously did, that uh, he, he was looking elsewhere, it seemed like? Uh, am I wrong in that? I mean, did, what, what, was no. your, what was your feeling about Levy's interest in Illinois high school? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe if it was something that he thought it could have been delegated to others and that maybe it was others' responsibilities. But, uh, you know, bottom line is he was the head man. Uh, it did not fare well, certainly with the high school coaches. It did not go very well for quite a long period of time. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, it was just a totally different approach. But uh, I can tell you now with the new staff and the new approach, uh, the coaches are pretty fired up and they've remained that way. So that's, that's a real positive in my eyes. Okay, now here's the bad question. Uh, are they taking players that aren't quite up to standard in order to try to build a relationship for the future? Yeah, that's always an interesting one. Um, you know, I would say out of the commits that they've gotten so far, no. Um, my my thought has always been when it comes down to your, your own record, recruiting board, um, do you go grab a kid out of Florida that's maybe very similar in comparison from a talent level and a projection standpoint, or do you take the in-state kid? I think hopefully with this staff, I think that decision is going to happen a little bit more, and and maybe those in-state kids might win a few more of those. But no, Lauren, I I, I think it's there's too much on the line these days to to really do that to very much extent. I'm not going to say it doesn't ever happen; it does. But um, I, I just I just think you've got to you've got to fill out those recruiting classes, and you've got to get the best available kids you can. Am I am I going to say that maybe those local kids that have committed around your area weren't a priority or, or maybe a higher priority than some others? Probably, but it, they're 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 not rating the you know little school of the poor to go get these kids either. There's some pretty good recruits that they've landed. Well, maybe they see something down here, you know, that uh, hasn't been noticed. I mean, you got to admit that uh, generally speaking, rivals and and two four seven and and they're not uh, maybe as up what well, they can't be when there haven't been as many games and maybe they don't know oh, excuse me <laughs> i have okay I've seen plenty. okay well i i just wondered if if, if there was as much knowledge of the downstate mid-state players as there would be in the chicago area where you have so many much more population and maybe there could be guys down here that kind of sneak under the you know yeah it's fair. I think I think that's a fair fair thought. And uh, all I can tell you is that I have the miles that I can literally show you where I travel across the state every single year. Mm-hmm. Have hosted multiple camps during all this pandemic and able to see those kids from really across the state. Um, I'm heading down to Indianapolis tomorrow for another camp, so I'll hopefully be able to see some more kids in Southern and Central Illinois. And uh, but yeah, it's it, it's definitely a good thought, Lauren. I, I think. The way that this process has gone and the more focus and emphasis that there's been on finding those kids and evaluating those kids, you know, there's all, you're not never going to get them all. You're never going to be able to really get a good eyeball on every kid. But 
yeah, I, I think there's more and more of an emphasis on that. So, so I think at least people are getting a better evaluation now than maybe they did 10, 15 years ago. Talking to Edgy Tim O'Halloran from the Arrivals Network. Based on all those miles and all that time, how would you rank uh, the state of high school football in the state of Illinois compared to maybe previous years that you've seen? Do you think it's in a good position? Is it uh, where it's been? Is it coming back? What, what do you got? Well, it's kind of it's kind of a, a couple of different levels in my eyes. Um, if you would have asked me pre-pandemic, I would have told you 2022 and 2023 were going to be terrific classes, and I still feel that way. I think, unfortunately, now post-pandemic, or well, actually it's still going on, but hopefully we'll wrap up soon. Um, I, I think the impact of no fall football and, and the limited spring season definitely hurt the overall level of play. I still think the talent is there. Unfortunately, I think the talent has kind of been overlooked quite a bit. If you look at the scholarship offers that have been extended at this point compared to where it was, say, a year or two ago, um, it's maybe a third of the amount of offers out there right now than there were, uh, say, in 2019, around that time frame. As you guys know, transfer portals had a gigantic impact. Just take, take, take the whole pandemic thing out of it and just focus on the transfer portal huge impact on recruiting and huge impact on the amount of uh, scholarship offers that are put out there. I think especially from the, say, the FCS level and, the, and below, it's been a huge impact. Um, so I, I think while the, the recruiting classes here are pretty good, uh, I think the, the overall level of football being played here has dropped, unfortunately, because of the pandemic. And let's face it, people continue to leave this state. So I, I think that has had an impact as well. Um, so, again, kind of twofold. There's definitely talent in the next two classes, 2022 and 2023, very strong groups in my eyes, in my opinion, in this state. But, again, are the scholarship numbers going to be out there? Are our kids going to get passed over and overlooked in this state? I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. You mentioned uh, the camp coming up in Indianapolis. How does a player get into that? Uh, is that something that a coach needs to contact you or parents? or How, how do they uh, become involved in one of your camps? Yeah, well, again, the, the the camp on Sunday is a rivals camp, and that is an invite only. So that's been filled up for uh, at least a handful of weeks now. And the rivals analysts are the ones that extend those invitations. Uh, I run various camps throughout the year as well. I actually have one coming up Tuesday down at the Paul Prep in the city. Uh, Registration still open. That's an open camp, so anyone can sign up and go. And uh, just follow, just follow me on Twitter at EduTim, and I usually tweet out links pretty regularly for those. But uh, that obviously is going to going to dry up for the summer because thankfully the the dead period's been rescinded, and uh, it's going to be a fun couple of months there, guys. Because I, I think from a recruiting standpoint, a lot of offers are going to go out, a lot of kids are going to be making visits and commitments. So uh, June and July, I think anyone involved in the recruiting side of this stuff is that going on any vacations it's going to be busy, <laughs> especially for your coaches down there in Champaign. It's going to be a very busy couple of months. It's going to be busy. You know, the interesting part is that you, you, we used to think, say we had 25 scholarships that you could offer to high school players, but that's not true anymore. That portal no. is really important. And, and what you have is a lot of guys at smaller schools that want to move up. If they're good enough, you know, Illinois is looking for people like that. I mean, they got two terrific linemen, and one on offense and one on defense in the last year that they're going to be maybe as good as anybody they've got in the, in the line. Yeah, it, it, it's really changed, Lauren. It, it's like you said, it's 
you know, between the transfer portal and, and, and some other factors involved as well. It's it's the, the whole landscape again. And it's always changing but, but that's had some big impacts and yeah, you're right. It's uh it's 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 kind of you know, you would focus on those twenty five and, and fill that class, but now you've got kids leaving because of the portal. You're looking to pick up kids coming in and you know, kind of trying to trade up and upgrade at certain spots, you know, either either with in-state or, or high school level commits or you go JUCO or you go prep school or now you go transfer portal. So there's, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it, it's been an interesting dimension to say the least. Hey, Tim, we always appreciate uh, getting caught up with you and talking high school football. Thanks for taking time with us. Anytime, guys. Uh, have a great weekend. You too. Thanks, Tim. Edgy Tim O'Halloran with us from uh, the Chicago area talking about uh, high school football and football recruiting as it pertains, in this case, to uh, the University of Illinois and Brett, uh, Brett Bielma and his staff. Certainly, so far at least, getting out about, the, the, well, not getting out yet, but they making contact with the uh, coaches across the state. They've got four commitments so far mm-hmm. from the state. They've mm-hmm. also got four from outside the state. Um, we're looking for that, uh, you know, a little more speed. That's what I'm looking for, and some some good defensive line beef. That those are those are winners, aren't they? If you got, where's if, the if beef and if, where's the speed? That's right, and and we need both. And they're out there looking for it, no doubt. Ten seventeen. The uh, phone line is opened. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Lord and I had the pleasure on Thursday of having lunch with Mike Mary from Milan I Fellow. He spent an hour or so with Mike talking about some of the new things at the Pellow Window Store. And if you're in the uh, Thought process or even uh, considering uh, windows or doors for your home, we'd suggest a trip to the Pedal Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive. You'll find Mike Mary, who runs the show. He's the point guard of the operation. Uh, Quentin Troy, Pete Peters, Dave Rollins, Luke Mary are all there. They can answer any questions you might have. And that's the best way to see some of the products. They've got a whole lot of products there on the showroom floor, windows of all kinds, doors of all kinds, and you can see the materials and and such. They also have a pretty good website, too, PellaOfChampagne.com. But at Illini Pella, they they don't just create windows and doors. They're innovative with a a purpose of design and passion, and they'll build with the integrity and deliver with pride. The Pella window, by the way, has been rated the number one by homeowners associations for uh, innovation, as I mentioned. Certainly top-of-the-line products at the Pella window store. Mike Mary is the man to call, and uh, he's got plenty of help out there as well. So uh, if you're in the market for windows or doors for your home, there's a lot of exciting things going on right now. Give them a call to check them out online. 1019, we'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Ten twenty-three, the phone line open, 217-356-9397. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk until 1045 this morning. Then it's Illinois baseball against Maryland. Illinois softball playing today as well. They're playing at 11 o'clock. That game, by the way, is on uh, BTN. If you have an interest in uh, checking out the softball team. A couple of uh, text questions and messages. We had a question of a person in Arizona wanting to know how to get a hold of the Lauren Tate special section. Even though we explained that Lauren is going to be on the corner of... (laughs) I can't even get it out. 
the corner of Devonshire and South Neal Street selling papers. <laughs> well, that'd, that'd be a good job for <laughs> That them. would be. You'd you know, put a little hat on you out there. Hand them out. And wave, wave at the cars going by. And, <laughs> but, no, if you're interested in, and if you're out of state and or out of the area and you're interested in picking up this uh, piece, you can do so by calling this number. I'm going to give you a phone number. Bob Sacconi in our circulation department will help you take care of that. 217-351-5334, 217-351-5334 is the number there if you'd like to um, get more information. And I think some of the uh, some of that copy, as we say in the business, will be online at yeah, some point. I, I'm sure it's online. And boy, didn't Mike Pearson do a heck of a job? And all he that. did. That's an awful lot of awful lot of work and awful lot of material in that. Going year by year, all those years. I think he his part of it was seventeen thousand words by itself. Was it? It was. It was your big. Yeah, and Bob did a great job. He called Zook, by the way. Zook uh, elected not to respond. <laughs> <laughs> I was afraid of that. That may not surprise our next guest, who is with us on the line from uh, Colorado. Paul Clee is with us. How you doing, Paul? Hello, Paul. Are you with us? Yeah, you bet. How you doing, Steve? I'm good. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> kind of busy this well, morning. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, we got a we got a five month old here, and he's the boss, man. <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta sleep when he sleeps, and eat when he eats, and and do whatever he wants, whatever he wants. Yeah, drink beer when he drinks beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't keep you long. We're off a little bit no early worries. today because of. Uh, Illinois baseball, but we wanted to kind of catch up with you on a couple of things, and uh, not the least of yeah. which was uh, Brad Underwood's hiring of Chester Frazier on Thursday. Your thoughts on that? You covered Chester. You know him pretty well. Oh, my gosh, yes. I'm thrilled, Steve. This is a, this is a great development for Illinois basketball, and I think personally for Chester, um, he's over the moon. You know, he gets to come back to the place that he loves the most, a uh, place where he he learned under some great coaches from, from Wayne to, to Bruce to Jarrett to Tracy Webster to all those guys. And I, I think what jumped out to me was when it happened or when it started circulating, obviously Chester reached out to, you know, Tracy Webster first. He talked to Coach Weber, Jamal Walker down at Grand Canyon. And all those guys, they, immediately, they called immediately and said, man, this is one of the coolest things. Uh, to see a guy like that that's worked his way up, kind of taking the taking a difficult road, you know, back from where he's from in Baltimore, not an easy place to get out of, and to be able to come back to the university he loves is a is a great thing. And each one to a man, you know, especially Coach Webster, Tracy was very very close with Chester, and I think he's almost proud of what of what he's been able to do. And I think he's going to be a, a huge bonus for that program. Well, Paul, tell us about a little more about Chester and his relationship with Weber, mm-hmm. and how and and, and mm-hmm. I guess it was a, a time when uh, Weber's concerned whether he was going to come back, you know, for another year or two. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. There was a time when Chester was going to transfer out, and I'm sure you guys could talk to him about that. But um, it was. There was, you know, the, the Jamar Smith thing, I think, turned things on side. And Jamar's made a ton of money overseas because we know how good of a player he was. And he was going to be at Illinois before the car accident. Um, and that's something you guys, you know, it's a heck of a story, man. 
Um, I, I haven't followed Jamar as closely, but I've been in touch with Chester through the years. Um, we became friends. Um, I just have a lot of respect for that guy. You know, the way he works, the way he manages 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Uh, he draws the most out of them because he knows that you get this one chance. You get one shot here, and you gotta you got to milk it for everything that it's worth. So I, I think the kind of players that he's going to try and attract – and recruit with with Brad Underwood. Um, you're not going to want to play against them. They're they're, they're going to be a pain in the you know what to play against. Because he wants to guard you for 92 feet, and anybody that's not okay with that probably shouldn't go to Illinois. Yeah, well, that's 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 true. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. Underwood's t- uh, take on things. That's why I keep saying everybody said, well, we got Plummer coming from Utah, and you got Fraser coming back, and you got Carvello. Hey, they're they're not going to play three. Uh, medium size, I'll say medium small guards together because they because his emphasis is too much on defense. Corbello may That's get, right. Corbello's the one guy that could get away with maybe not being as good a defensive player as he would <laughs> as as Underwood would like because he's so valuable on 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 uh in running the team, but I think mm-hmm. everybody else is going to have to be really good defensively to play. Yeah, you, you- you know, when, when Jarrett came back, there there was a there was a buzz for that. There was a, I'm from here. This is the place I love, and you're gonna love it just as much as I did. I think there's a little bit of that with Chester, and he's a he's a different type of personality than Jarrett. Um, I think he's a he's a very demanding coach. I know he was at K State. The guys that worked with him, um, with Coach Weber. He's going to force you to push yourself beyond what you think are your limits. And I don't see how that's going to be a bad thing. Well, you know, we're I, not I talking about him. recruiting, though, Paul. What about recruiting? Yeah, he's, that's an area where he's going to focus on the DMV area, the Baltimore area. He's come out to Colorado a couple times. We hooked up to watch a kid at East High School a few years back. Uh, he knows the type of player that he wants. Um, just like Brad Underwood does. There's a, there's a common thread there. Those two are going to get along really well. They're going to be good buds because I think there's a, there's a mentality, uh, the kind of players that Underwood wants and that he's gotten the last couple of years that Chester's going to fit right in there. So I don't know how much they're going to mess around in Chicago. If it, it was up to me, I'd say, screw it. I'd say, don't go to Chicago. Make them come to you. Um, I've always said, Lauren, you know, through the years that, Chicago's looked as the answer. I actually think Chicago's the problem. So I'm interested to see what areas it is that they focus on. Talking to Paul Klee, who has uh, connections with the Gonzaga program as well. Our friend Roger Powell mm-hmm. still on the staff there. And there's some, <laughs> yeah. there's some uh, traction, I guess, uh, about maybe uh, Stephen Gentry going back to Gonzaga from Illinois. What are you hearing on that? Well, I wish I had some inside info for you. Um, I really don't. I know that, that Shaggy was a well-respected member of the Gonzaga community, obviously a grad. Um, I think he's been the OC at Illinois. You know, he's kind of coordinated that offense that I loved watching last year. Um, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what Gonzaga's going to do. Uh, they had Tommy for 20 years. You know, Tommy Lloyd, he was my softball coach. Really? <laughs> <in> the day. <laughs> he coached my intramural softball team, so – that was back when, uh, if you're a Zags coach, you had to teach a class, if you can believe that, compared to where they are now. But um, that's a big; those are big shoes to fill. They're going to have to get in someone, someone in there who's established. It's not going to be a rookie assistant coach. 
and they're going to be walking into a really good situation because they should be the number one team in the country going into next season. Did Roger Powell uh, benefit from the fact that uh, Tommy Lloyd left uh, as far as moving up the pecking order or Mark Few staff? I think he's a little bummed. <laughs> you know, they've become very close. Um, I think they both learned from each other in different ways. But, yeah, he's going to be there until, um, I'll tell you what, when Illinois State opens up, I want to see Roger Powell have strong consideration coming back to the state of Illinois to be a head coach. I think that's a spot, if it does open up after next season, I think that's a place that they need to look. Well, we had Roger on last month and uh, shortly after mm. the uh, the last game, and mm-hmm. uh, he said that. He said, uh, you know, he's at the 10-year mark of his coaching career, and he thought uh, it might be getting time wow. to take a look at a – at a head coaching position, and he's had a chance uh, to interview for some, and and uh, mm-hmm. they have not worked out for one reason or another. But he thinks he's getting close to that point in his career. Mm-hmm. I think so. He's been valuable for us, you know, for Gonzaga. He's been very valuable. The players, when they leave, um, inevitably stop by the Powell House for dinner and a and a worship service. And um, I hope he never leaves, but I also hope he becomes a head coach in the state of Illinois because I think he'd be really good. You know, they've had a heck of a pipeline going back 20 years. Ray Giacoletti, Billy Greer, Leon Rice, all these guys. Tommy's now running a monster of a program in Arizona. So they'll set you up. If you do a good job, you will get a head coaching opportunity out of Gonzaga. How did uh, Tommy Lloyd get that uh, that foreign um, beat going so well. I mean, it's, he seems to be one of the uh, the pioneers in getting that kind of player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of the most interesting stories. I think he's the most influential assistant in college basketball history, you know, going back 50, 60 years. The way he's gotten dozens of international guys that were turned into NBA players, you know, we had to find a niche. You had to find something different because you're not going to get the guys out of Seattle and LA they're just not going to go to Spokane so they were able to supplement what they were able to get from the states with you know Sabonis and Turioff and Karnowski and all these NBA guys from other countries Olenek so um, he's going to what's interesting Steve is Arizona is just kind of taking a nap right now and he's going to wake them up and I think there's an Illinois Arizona series coming up isn't there yeah Yeah. Yeah, we play them this year it's yeah, so season. they're going to be down this year. They've lost a ton of players. They've had some transfers out to Baylor and other places. Illinois should be able to get them this year, but he's going to turn them. He's going to turn that program into the monster that it used to be. Do you think that Illinois has lost its contacts with the international player, with with the with no. these coaches leaving? These... Oh, no, no question. You do, you... No question in my mind. Yeah. So, so which yeah, that's uh. The... That's when you're dealing with the international circuit. It's more about the coach than it is the program. Mm -hmm. You know, let me give you an example here. There's a, there's a kid from China. His name is Fan Bo Zing and he would be a top 10 recruit if he was in the United States. Well, he was going to Gonzaga the day that Tommy Lloyd took the Arizona job. He declared for the G league. So it wasn't that he was, it wasn't that he was attached to the Gonzaga program. He was attached to Tommy Lloyd. So, the Illinois is going to be in a spot where they've got to, they've got to supplement. You know, you've got to find guys in different ways, whether that's JUCOs, transfers, four- or five-year guys. I'd love to see them take the Wisconsin route. I've always said that. 
developed guys, redshirt guys. You know, Wisconsin's one of the few that did that for a power conference. I think that sort of thing has worked at Purdue. I think it could work at Illinois. Got a question on the phone lines for Paul Clee from Bill in Ogden, Illinois. Go ahead, Bill. I just want to want all you guys to answer. Uh, what kind of assistant coach are we looking for? Somebody with international experience. That's where it mm-hmm. seems like it's going. And I'm going to hang up mm-hmm. and what you got to say. Okay, Bill. Thanks, Paul. Do you, could you hear that okay? Yeah, just a coach with international ties. Yeah. Those are tough to find. They're really hard to find. And I, I think you saw with, you know, Orlando and Kentucky said, ooh, we'd like that back real quick. And we're yeah. going to pay him a whole bunch of money, more than you should ever pay for an assistant basketball coach, because that's how valuable it is. Duke, Duke's taken a turn these last couple of years. They've figured out that you can't necessarily go the one-and-done route and have it sustainable. So I think what Kentucky saw was Illinois did such a good job of getting some guys from different places where you're not having to go in and have these heated recruiting battles over five-star kids. Kentucky said, we'd like a piece of that pie too. So this is a really big turning point, I feel like, for Illinois basketball. You've got to be able to string together three or four years to have that, you know, sustained success so guys here start to look at you. I think next year is a very important season for that program. You mentioned the one and done. Uh, how much is that going to be impacted by this G League and the, the new the special league where they can pay, well, I guess, up to $150,000, can't they? Right. Maybe more? Yeah, I- I think there was a push for that, I think, in media circles the last few years that this is the route five-star players were going to take. But I talked to an agent yesterday, and he said that Jalen Green, a high school kid that went straight Mm -hmm. to the professionals, Mm -hmm. he'd be the number one pick in this draft if he had gone to college. Mm -hmm. And Zion, while, you know, jumps off the screen, he's just different than everybody else, his value went up by going to college. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he is the number one pick that year, but he got a heck of a lot more exposure playing at Duke than he did playing in the G League. There's, what is it, 90% of of fans haven't seen Jalen Green. They don't know who Jalen Green is. And Kaminga's the other one, too. Both those guys are going to go in the top five. I think Jalen Green would be the second pick in my draft. I think he'd he'd be right after Cunningham for me. Might be second or third after Suggs. He's really good. I think there is a lot of value in going to college in terms of your marketability, in terms of your profile, just your Q rating, you know. So I don't see that as a huge threat outside of, you know, a Michael Foster. He's at Hillcrest Prep. Mm -hmm. He's going pro. There's a handful of them, but there's not going to be that many of them. College is still really valuable for these guys. Besides that five-month-old, what else is keeping you busy? <laughs> well, we got a couple of playoff teams here in Denver. Got the Avalanche that I think are the betting favorite for the Stanley Cup, and the Nuggets are still hanging on despite losing a Jamal Murray and a Will Barton because they've got the best player in the world right now, Steve, and it's, it's really something to watch a guy like Nikola Jokic. Is Jokic going to be MVP? He is. I think it'll be a landslide. Um, he's kept them afloat. It's... He's a point center that if you get a chance, if he's on ESPN, it's something to watch. He's a Peyton Manning type where everybody around him just seems to get better through the course of a game. And uh, he's carrying some borderline NBA guys to 
a top four seed in the Western Conference right now. And it's really been something to write about and to cover and watch develop. Hey, Paul, appreciate your time. We're going to step aside for Illinois baseball coming up, but always good to catch up with you, and we'll do it again soon. All right, when you guys have Chester Lee on there, make sure you text me and let me know because I want to see what that old guy has to say. <laughs> we'll do it. We hope to have him next Saturday. And by the way, uh, the Esquire is expecting you here for the Arizona game. I'll just let you know. <laughs> I can't wait for that. I'll be there. How about that? All right. All right, Paul. Good to talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. All right, fellas. Take care. You bet. 1040, we'll take a break and be back with more. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Stay with us here on DWS. Just going to take care of things on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Thanks to our guest today, Brad Dancer, Illinois men's tennis coach, his team in action in NCAA play at 1 o'clock today against Notre Dame. Thanks to David Kaplan from NBC Sports in Chicago. Tim O'Halloran, Edgy Tim from the Rivals Sports Network, the uh, recruiting analyst there. And thanks to Paul Klee out in Colorado for spending time, Mr. Tate. Good to see you. Good to be seen. We learned a lot today. I did. Did you? Yeah. That's what we're here for. This is the learning place, right? (laughs) On WDWS, Shane Behaner Banner. This is Steve Kelly. Thanks to our producer, David Leake. Illinois Baseball is up next. Have a good weekend, everybody.